Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here today, and I'm looking forward to spending some time in Scripture with you today. It should be a good time, and I invite you to take your Bible, please, and uh, if you'll turn to um, Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read from there in just a few minutes. Philippians chapter 1 is, uh, well, it's a long way through the Bible if you're unfamiliar with Scripture. It's way towards the back, okay? So look for that, and uh, if you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. You can see the page numbers on the screen behind me. We'd be honored if you'd Take that home as our gift to you, okay? My name is Wayne, and I'm on the pastoral team, and it'll be a good time together. I want to I start our time together today uh, by, um, well, it's kind of a math quiz, but it's also a story at the same time, and I want to see how well you do with this, all right? So here we go. There's a, a, a frog who is in a room, and across the room about eight feet away, as a matter of fact, for the sake of the math quiz, we're going to say it's exactly eight feet away. He can see an insect on the wall, and he goes, mm, if I could just get my tongue on that, that'd be a lovely little snack. And so he goes, I'm going to jump over there, and with every fiber of his being, he jumps all the way to the eight-foot wall, but unfortunately, he only has enough strength to get four feet. He goes exactly halfway, and he goes, oh, didn't quite get there, but I'll jump again. However, he's got a little problem, and that is he expended so much energy in jumping the first four feet uh, that he can only jump half of what he jumped previously. So he's jumped from eight feet to four feet, and now he can only jump half as far again. He's now, how close is he? Two feet, all right? So now this is where it's going to get a little troubling for some of you because you have to go back to third grade math. So he goes from eight feet to four feet to two feet, and then the next jump, he can only jump half as much again. How close is he? One foot, all right? Now the next jump he is at? Half a foot, which equals six inches. And then he, can, he jumps again, and he is? Okay, now it's going to get hard for some of you because you're going to get into fractions. Oh, fractions. Mess with you every time, right? Three inches he goes to? Now it's really fractions. Half of one and a half is? And then half of that is? Ah, oh, the, the volume went way down. <laughs> did you notice that? Oh, that, let me tell you, in the other services, they did way better than you guys. They were loud. Okay, so from three quarters to? And three eighths to? And now we're going to make it really difficult. In millimeters, that is? Oh, that's not fair, is it? right at about six millimeters. I know that because I looked it up. <laughs> Here's the question I have for you. Every time he jumps, he gets a little bit closer, but he can only go half as much. Does he ever reach the wall? He never reaches the wall. He could stick out his tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Says a young voice from the crowd. Couldn't he just stick out his tongue? Excellent. Absolutely excellent. Can you give her a round of applause? <laughs> you said what everybody else was thinking, but for the sake of the math question, he doesn't ever stick out his tongue. Ah, because here's what I want you to think about. For many of us in the room, if not all of us, we have projects and we have situations in our lives and we have settings where we go, man, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get to the end, to get to the wall and say it's a complete project and yet it feels like every time you take, make the next leap, it only gets you halfway there. Sound familiar? 
That does sound familiar. If that's, if that's ever the case where you've been or you're there right now, then I've got really good news for you. Philippians chapter 1 is for you. If you'll take a look with me today, we'll see how this applies to that never-ending quest to complete the projects and to complete the project of life uh, that's in front of us. Paul the Apostle is writing in Philippians chapter three, chapter 1, pardon me, we're going to look in verse 3. The premier, primary writer of the New Testament of the early church, he says to the people at Philippi, I thank my God every time I remember you. Verse 4, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, what's he confident of? He that began a good work in you will do what? Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And having said that, he says, by the way, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And as I pray and I think about you and I have you in my mind, this is what I pray about, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Why? So that you'll be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This guy is writing to a group of friends who are in Philippi. Maybe you know the story a little bit about why he was writing to them. It's found in Acts chapter 15 and 16. Here's what happens. A guy by the name of Paul key leader in the early church, just after Jesus went to heaven. He is charged with the responsibility of leaving Jerusalem and going from city to city and basically evangelizing, seeing if he can bring people to convert to Jesus Christ. And so he's in Turkey uh, with, a, with his band of travelers, his, his fellow peers, if you will. And while they're in Tur modern-day Turkey, uh, ancient Turkey, though, he would say, I, I had this vision that we should go over to Macedonia, Macedonia being northern Greece. And uh, there's a guy over there. There are people over there who need to know of Jesus Christ. Are you guys up for it? Yeah, we're up for it. If this is God's plan, this is, if this is what God wants to do with a project he has for us, we go. We're going. So they go over there. And in Acts chapter 16, they go to Philippi, northern Greece, and they look around and they say, who, who here looks like they might be willing to convert to Jesus Christ? Where, where could we meet people? And they see a group of people, literally, down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. And what does he do? He goes there and he gets them to lay down my burdens. He literally goes and tells them about the story of Jesus Christ. And some people convert, and we have some of their names who convert, and it is a really cool moment in the lives of those individuals and in the life of that city. As a matter of fact, this fledgling little church suddenly explodes, and there's all kinds of cool things taking place, including miracles, and it begins to become so well-known in the city that some of the city officials get a little bit alarmed that, you know, all this religious stuff could get out of hand, and so they incite a riot, in, in the book of Romans, it's called, it's an uproar. And what, pardon me, in the book of Acts, it's called an uproar. And um, in the, long, the, the, the short of all of that is the leaders arranged for Paul and one of his fellow guys, a guy by the name of Silas, to be arrested. It reads this way in Acts chapter 16, verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. 
The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. I mean, think about this. We're following God's plan, and this is how it's working out. We're being stripped and beaten. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. These are extra special guys. You better, you better take care of these guys. Very, you don't, don't let them out. So what does he do? When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. In other words, they're, they're overnight. They are literally can't move. Their feet are held by these big wooden blocks. And don't you wonder about them, what they would have thought about themselves, what's going on? They're going, man, we had this plan from God over there in Turkey, and here we are, and it's a mess. How did this, how is this God's best plan for me? Sound familiar? You've got a plan. It may even be God's plan for you, and you're going, man, if I evaluate where I am right now, I am, it's like my feet are in stalks, and I'm stuck here, and, and I'm getting beat up every day. How is this God's best for me? Well, that's the story of Paul and his friends as they remember what happened in Philippi. Some years later, he's in prison again in a different city, and he's thinking about what it was like when they were in Philippi. And because of the way in which they'd all been so, they'd gone through this struggle together, there was great affection. And he's writing as their pastor and their friend from prison. And uh, he has this tremendous sense of love for them. Look, verse 7 of again, back in Philippians chapter 1. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you. I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel. In other words, no matter what my life circumstances, I think back upon the time that we had together and how all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify that no matter what situation I'm in, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. See, they'd done life together. They'd experienced some heartache together. They'd experienced some great triumphs together. And uh, he's their pastor. He's their friend. He's the guy who had established the church. And he has this deep love with, for those people. And if it were modern day, and he was their pastor, I'm not Paul, but I have that understanding. He'd say, I want to take a picture of you all. And I want to, I want to, I want to remember you so that wherever I am, if I'm defending the gospel, if I'm in chains, if I'm telling others, I want to remember you. I want to take photos of everybody. Put your smiles on. Balcony people, put your smiles on. That's what he would have done if he'd been around today. Say, I, I want to think and remember who you are. I have this deep affection for you. And we've done life together. And I want you to be aware of this. As your friend, as your pastor, as the guy who's done life with you, through the thick and the thin, be mindful of this. Every time I think of you, verse 3, I thank my God. And I pray. And in all my prayers for you, I pray with joy. There's a sense of, like it's really cool that we've done life together because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. If I go back to the very beginning, I, you were there. God was there. And this is what I'm confident of, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It started a long time ago, but like I said, I'm not Paul, but as I look around this room and I know lots of the stories, I have this deep sense of affection. You have it for me, I hope. And But what's more important than that is I'm convinced of this. I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you 
God who began a good work in me, God who began a good work in all of us, is going to keep working on that project. As a matter of fact, in terms of this message today, I thought, this could be called Project U. Project U, God has a plan in mind, and I know you may feel like your feet are in stocks right now, but look at what this plan is all about. God's going to move it to completion, and here's how it's going to play out. Verse 9, here's what he prays. That your love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Huh. He's praying that we would know that the people of Philippi, and I, by extension us, that we would know more and more knowledge and have depth of what? Insight. So we'll be able to discern what is best and pure and blameless. I don't know about you, but when I think about any sort of project that I have involving my life or this church or for that matter your life, I'm praying that your love would abound more and more so that you would have the ability to have this discerning spirit to know what's best. How is it that you're supposed to handle the situations you face or I face? How is it? How do, we need, how, do we, how do we get to do that? Well, that project you that's going to be carried to completion, that's, how it's, that's what's going to be involved in that is God's going to give us the ability to discern. I mean, you, you're trying to figure out, okay, I got that situation with my family, that dysfunctional portion over there. How is that going to work out? Because it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's top of mind all the time. Do you know that project, God's going to work that out? The project that you have in your neighborhood, and you got neighbors going, wah, 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 and you're going, what's with all of that gossip going on? Do you know what? All that mess, God's going to work that out. Your finances, your financial planner called this week and said, it's not looking so good. Some of you go, it's, not, it's so bad I don't even have a financial planner. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. You wish you had a financial planner. God. Do you know what? On that matter, that project, God's going to take it to completion. On the matter of your vocation, some in, our, some in our church this week had a really difficult week and pink slips were passed out. And you're going, man, I, I wish we didn't face this. I get that, yeah. But that whole thing, God's going to work it out. That project of your vocation, God, the project of um, your sexuality, your spirituality, your, your future, that's what it's all about, isn't it? The security of how are we going to live tomorrow, Monday morning, and then Tuesday, and then the day after that? Do you know what? It's all there. God's going to work it out. I'm convinced of this, confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And there's the key right there. While it's Project U, the focal point is Jesus Christ. If you look in Philippians again, can you look there again right now? Grab, it, grab that Bible again and flip over to chapter 2. Because here's Paul writing this very personal letter to his friends People who he brought to Christ. I mean, they've done life together. And he, he's very personal. He, uses the, he refers to himself over a hundred times in the letter. But in the midst of the letter, there's this great hymn. Do you see it there? I think it starts in, does it start in verse 5? That if you want to see this project completed, then live your life like Jesus lived. It says, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to. Instead, he took on the form of a servant and was willing to actually die, and it says even death on a cross. Huh. It's all based on Jesus Christ, this project that God has for you and me. It's all based on our willingness to trust that Jesus died and that it was all for us. 
Can you get there? I know it's hard. It's really hard to come to the place where you say, I'm going to trust that the arms of Jesus Christ are going to cover me and that they're going to be big enough for this project called Project Me, Project You. But I'd suggest you can get there, even as it's scary is to lean in and say, I'll trust. And that I'm not just going to be try the jumping from to the wall by myself, but instead I'm going to rely on Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen that um, a photo of that statue in Rio de Janeiro called Christ the Redeemer statue? It's really cool. I love the, symbol, the symbolism of that, of, that, of that scene where Christ is up on the mountain above the city with his arms outstretched doing this. This God watching over the people of that city. You know, that's symbolic of what's happened in your life this week. This project you, Christ is watching over that. I know it's scary to be out on those arms. As a matter of fact, you want to see how scary it is? Watch the video. Filho, filho, eu não posso te atender agora, filho. Eu estou no alto da mão da estátua do Cristo Redentor. Um beijo. Te amo. What you see taking place there are uh, a crew that is actually working on the lightning rods that are on the outstretched arms of Jesus. What I, what I, when I saw that video a few, a couple months ago now, I thought, I'm going to do that, this, let you all see that on November 1st, because 
in many ways, it speaks to what it's like. You're going to trust the arms of Jesus to watch over you. You're going to go out there. And you know what? Out in the midst, right out there where it's the most scary is when the family life happens. Son, this is probably not the best moment to be asked to be chatting. But isn't that way it is? And the question is, in the midst of the project, in the midst of the, can I lean in? We do family life. We do this business and saying, I'm going to trust. Can you make that? Could you make that decision today? To, maybe maybe you could, I could think, help you think of it this way. I go back to Paul in Turkey, ancient Turkey, making this decision to go across to Philippi, across the waters to Philippi. And then just a few days later, he and Silas have got their feet in stocks, and you go, they had to be thinking, this was not what I had in mind. This is not what I expected. And yet, you know, that one decision to say we're going to follow God across the water to Philippi, change that city. We're reading about it today. We're thinking about it today. Change the lives of the people who were there who were down by the riverside. And history was forever altered for those people. What one decision could you today, use, take to today that would say, I'm going to leave the past behind. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to trust. I'm not going to do it by myself anymore. It's not that I'm weak, but instead I'm going to be bold enough and risky enough to get out there on the edge of those arms and say, I'm in. I'm in. I have some answers for you today if you've never really given any thought to that. A couple answers. One, if, you've, if you don't lean in daily to Jesus Christ, today's the day to start that. Or maybe it's a case where you just need to affirm, hey, every day I've got to make a decision. You've been walking with Christ for a lot of years, but come tomorrow morning, you're going to have to decide again. I'm going to trust that God's going to work this out. This project that's in front of me is a mess. And I've been jumping, jumping, jumping. But now I'm going to let God be in charge. I'm going to jump with his strength. Maybe that's for some of you today. That's I'm going to make a decision to lean in again. For some, it might be, I'm, this is the first time I've ever done it. I'm going to take, take the big lean in. For others, here's another way in which you might look at that, and that is we told you last week that we have some, we'd like to see some people get baptized today, and we've had a number already throughout the weekend. And uh, we know some people are getting baptized today, but if you're here today and you'd say, I don't, I, I, I just need to make a, a statement about the fact that Jesus Christ is in charge of my life, then can I remind you what baptism is all about? We find uh, a very quick understanding of that in Romans chapter 6, for example. Look at the screen with me, and here's what it says. We were therefore, we could change the language, we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Okay, that's theology. That's very deep theology. You know what it's saying? It's saying that when Jesus died, he went in the grave. Three days later, he came back. And throughout the church's history, people have said, we're going to follow that picture and that symbolism and that event, and we're going to go into a watery grave, and we're going to leave the past behind. We're going to die to the old self, and we're going to rise to new life and new possibilities. It's a supernatural dying in a watery grave and coming back into life within the community called the church. I need to tell you today, friends, if you've never done that before, we're ready for you. The water's hot. We got clothes you could change into. We got people who can do your makeup if that's important to you guys. I mean, ladies. <laughs> we got, we got, uh, we got photographers there. We are all ready for you, okay? We're ready. At the end of the service today, we're going to show you if you'd like to do that. We'll be, we'll be glad to get you wet all over. Because I'd like to ask you, apart from those two decisions, what one decision could you make today 
in your world that would say is going to bring me com- closer to the completion that God's got in me, that being confident of this, he who began a good work in you, Project You, will carry it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. What's the one decision you could make? You know what it is. Let me explain it this way, by talking about some presidential politics, okay? Uh, some history, first of all. From 1900 to 1952, if you look at the, the men who became president or vice president, all of them are from the North except two, okay? One president, one vice president. On the presidential politics, everybody was from the North, okay? In 1952, that shifted dramatically. From 1952 until Barack Obama and, and Joe Biden, there was at least one person on the presidential ticket that was from the South. Why was that? You know, so you've got North for 50 years, and then until you know, Obama and Biden from the South. I mean, we know that Obama is from Illinois, he says. Just messing with you, just messing with you, okay. And Biden is from the North. They broke, they broke the, 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 the chain, if you will, because every presidential campaign since 1952, there was somebody from the South, okay? They broke the, the chain, but nonetheless. Why the shift from the North to the South in terms of the power and this, the main offices, the most important offices in the land? Historians point back to Memorial Day 1925 in this regard. You go, I don't know anything particular that happened Memorial Day 1925. Well, here's what happened. A young mechanical engineer in 1925 noticed that in the summers in the north and much of the time in the south, whenever it was hot, people didn't go and gather in large settings. It's too hot. And so he came up with an idea. He approached the CEO of Paramount Pictures. And he said, I want you to do an experiment with me. I notice you can't make any money in your movie houses during the summer or any of the theaters that may be putting on plays. People just don't show up. It's too hot. He said, I want you to do an experiment with me. Let's put 1,000 people in a room. You show a movie, and I promise you by the end of the movie, you'll do what I ask you to do, and you'll make money in the summers. So here's what he did. They put the 1,000 people in the room. The CEO of Paramount Pictures was there. And when they first started... Everybody was doing this, fanning, right? And then this young mechanical engineer turned on his machinery. What do you think that machinery was? Air conditioning. And slowly, people stopped fanning. They put their fans down. And at the end of the movie, the CEO came to him and said, I want one of those in every one of my movie houses. All right? So that young man then spent the next few years doing that. And then... Uh, A few years later, it occurred to him after coming out of World War II, you know, we've managed to bring air conditioning to all these commercial buildings. What would it be like if I was to put them in homes? And could I create a unit that would be small enough to operate in homes? And he began his uh, residential air conditioning business. And any guess what his name might be? Will Carrier. How many of you have, you might have a carrier air conditioner in your house, all right? So he started putting carrier air conditioning in people's homes, and dramatically, people from the north said, hey, in the winter, we don't have to be up here anymore, and we could go down south, and we can still stay cool in the summer with our carrier air conditioning. And basically what happened is the entire population shifted. The population base of the United States shifted. For example, Tucson, in a 10-year period beginning in in the 1950s, in 10 years went from 45,000 to 210,000 people in 10 years, 500% increase. Imagine if that was our city. We have 100,000 people or so in Decatur. 
in the community surrounding. Imagine if in 10 years there was half a million people here. The impact that would have on the economy, on the schooling, on our politics, right? Houston went from 600 to 940,000. Um, Florida, here's the deal. Florida went from 1 million in 10 years to 10 million. What happens when the population shifts when it comes to voting? Electoral college, right? Electoral college. The North lost, in that same 10-year period, the, the North lost 31 electoral votes, and the South gained 29, and the South became the power base for politics moving forward beginning in 1952. All that happened, a whole, the whole course of a nation, our nation was changed with one decision. Hey, Mr. CEO, would you do an experiment with me and see if we can't get these people to go in this room in the middle of the summer and make them cool? Change the whole nation. What one decision could you make today that would change the course of your life and change the course of Project U and bring it to greater completion? May I suggest it's a case of stepping away from the past. Regard you, I, I, I know what some of the pasts of all of our lives have been like. Not everybody in the room, but you say, I step away from that and I step into trusting the arms and I'm going to lean in and I'm going to say, God, I want a new trajectory for my life. I want a new direction for my life. And it's not where I've been, but where I'm going. Today, friends, you could make a difference with the work of God, focused on what Jesus Christ has done in you. You can make a difference for the future. I would suggest that that's possible for all of us. Whether for some of us it's leaning, learning to say again, I'm going to lean in daily. Or for some of you, maybe for the first time. You think about it as, you, as Chris puts into uh, some text here in a song, uh, these ideas all together. It's my desire to live for Jesus. It's my desire to live for Him. Though often failed Him and caused Him shame, it's my desire. Someone today. 
one who may have failed, failed to see the way. Oh, I was so lost, but I found my way to God. Thank you, Lord. It's my desire. Stand with me, please, friends, and let's pray to God. Can I pray for you? Pray for us, me included, today. Lord, uh, your word tells us, Scripture tells us that uh, you want to, this project that you've got for us, you're going to carry it on to completion to the day of Christ. And uh, Lord, I, I know there are some people in the room who would say, man, I I don't know how that's going to work. And yet, if you really think about it, Lord, uh, if we think about it, we we have this sense that we really would like to, um, um, we'd like to know how to just work it out. And we'd like to have that discernment, that daily discernment that gives us the ability to know what's best and right and pure. So, Lord, um, I pray for each one here today that you would graciously work in all of our lives. Help us, Lord, to um, be courageous enough to step out on those arms, if you will, and trust. For some, God, it may be a really potent decision like leaning in for the first time. For others, Lord, it may be baptism today. For all of us, it's a willingness to trust daily and uh, to not be kind of pushing our own strength and trying to get to the wall but instead relying on you not Lord out of a position of weakness but out of a position of strength because you can be our strength and you can guide us so help us in that endeavor Lord we pray in Christ's name